So this is Evan with Intervention Radio, and I am broadcasting, uh, I guess you call it broadcasting or podcasting, live from uh, Abuelas, and it is a uh, Cuban uh, coffee shop um, restaurant uh, here in uh, beautiful Miami Beach, Florida, and uh, it's right on Collins Avenue on the corner of Collins and 11th Street. And um, so today, this morning, I got up early. It happens to be a Sunday morning, and it's been a real eventful um, week. Um, for those of you that have been keeping up uh, and working on some very challenging uh, mental health cases um, and some substance abuse, uh, dual diagnosis cases where people were self-medicating to kind of cope with the underlying mental health issues. And um, so I got up this morning. And um, I got up inspired to um, to broadcast a little bit. And um, this morning we're going to talk about um, putting together an intervention. Because at the end of the day, that's that's pretty much um, you know what I do. Um, and when I say pretty much what I do, putting together an intervention, it, it really uh, incorporates. It involves. Um, uh, a lot of planning, a lot of organization, a lot of love, and a lot of understanding. And um, for those of you that are taking the time to listen to this, I do appreciate all of your energy, um, all of your concern. I, I'm with you. And uh, even though we may never meet in person, um, uh, I hope that what I'm about to share here ha- impacts you guys in some some very positive, healthy way. So uh, first and foremost, um, for those of you that are aware, a lot of my... Um, writings uh, can be found on uh, another partner uh, site that I work with, uh, choose, choosehelp.com. That's choosehelp.com. And you can uh, read a lot of um, my actual uh, blogs uh, that I write, and you're welcome to do that. So with that said, um, first, you know, when it comes to deciding whether or not an intervention is needed. I think that's one of the, the first questions that comes up with, uh, with people. They want to know, you know, is it that bad where an intervention is, is required? And I think that, um, you know, number one, there's no blanket answer I can give you on that. I can't just say, yeah, for sure, that's what's needed, um, or no, that's not what's needed. Um, but here's what I can say. You know, that every case that I work on is individualized. And so, um, you know, there's varying degrees of uh, acuity, uh, intensity. And I think one of the, um, the, the most important questions you have to ask yourself is, you know, um, when you have approached your loved one in crisis and you have um, shared with them your concerns and um, you kind of laid it out there, whether you tried to handle this yourself, you, um, you know, br- you brought family together, whatever the case may be. You know, if you're if you're experiencing significant resistance and denial, where your loved one is just not willing to listen to anything you have to say, um, you know, at that point, you may want to consider getting some professional help to to be part of this process. Um, now, the other part, of course, is. Um, when you're seeing the symptoms that are contributing to, you know, tremendous concern within the family, such as, um, you know, and I, I've said this before, 
and I'll probably say it again, uh, sleeping too much, not sleeping enough, uh, eating too much, not eating enough, um, where they're falling down, uh, their unsteady gait, um, you know, uh, depressed a lot, most of the time, a lot of the time, uh, going off on, of course, when it comes to substance abuse, going off on binges, when your loved one is um, using mood-altering substances um, for an extended period of time. And, and this is, the, of course, this is a debate conversation when you have somebody who is uh, you know, a functioning alcoholic or someone who is socially using um, uh, alcohol. And, um, you know, it, it, there's even a conversation with, with marijuana on that to, to, to be discussed at some point. But... Um, there is a point at which it's pretty evident without having a, a degree in psychology or psychi- psychiatry or being a master addiction counselor, you know, there's a point at which you just know, you know, something's seriously wrong. You can't get through. You've tried hard. And at that point, that's one of those moments where you, you may want to seriously consider uh, the, uh, the intervention, the professional coming out and conducting a, a, an actual true proper professional mental health on substance abuse, dual diagnosis intervention. So I want to walk you through this a little bit. And and by the way, if you're an interventionist and you're listening uh, to this, that's fine. That's great. Because I truly do believe that, you know, the the more that you give, uh, the more that you get. And the more that you get means the more that we help. And that's what it's about. So um, with that said, uh, this podcast, this episode is going to be uh, to the point of where the first step. And the first step is really um, looking at um, who's going to be uh, participating, who's going to be joining in that intervention experience. Um, And so here's my rule of thumb. Um, um, You really want to include the people that, that mean the most to that individual that have the most impact on that individual. When they speak, that person cares. It's an important, it's a hugely important part of this process. The, now, the other variable uh, is to, to consider is to have people um, that um, have a strong relationship, a very healthy relationship with you, with the loved ones. Um, people that when your loved one who's in crisis sees them there at the intervention, they understand that even if you may have been, you know, weak, weak in the sense that not able to stand up and put your foot down and and just uh, lay down the law with love and, you know, even providing resources so that the individual could get what they need, you know, uh, to the point where other family members and friends were accusing you, addressing you, um, saying that you were the enabler and all that stuff. It, it's... It, very, very important to have people present, uh, if possible, that the your loved one in crisis can see that are there for you to help keep you strong through that process, right? Um, so, so with that said, the um, the first thing you want to do, once again, is once you've made a decision to move forward with the intervention, is to you want to really look at who's going to be participating, who's going to be there to join in, um, and. You know, there's a, uh, another caveat that goes along with all this, that when you do reach out to those people and you do say, you know, we really want you there to be part of the, the intervention process, 
you really want to make sure that um, those individuals, uh, you, you let them know, look, this is not about lying to somebody. This is not about hiding secrets. This is really about um, keeping the matter a confidential matter until all of the therapeutic ducks are in a row and everything is organized to the point where we're ready to we're ready to um, move and move swiftly and be precise and get this person the help that they truly truly need. So the first step is to look at who's going to be uh, joining in the process. Then as you develop the intervention team, and we have all of our people um, in place, at least we know who's going to be joining, we've given them the message that, um, you know, this is a confidential matter, um, it's highly sensitive, and that we really want to make sure that this is kept, um, uh, and I hate to, the language is yes, kept from that individual until it's time to move in. Um, the next thing you want to do is, right from the beginning, is to start to build the team concept, the team approach. Um, and, and I think this is a, a very important part, it's a hugely important part of, of really strengthening, making sure that your network, the intervention team network is strong and unified. So, and the reason is that once you actually get in there in the heat of the, the, the matter, when we're actually in there in the intervention, that um, we significantly reduce the probability that there's going to be any breakdown, any smidgen of, um, you know, people not being sure of this is the right way to go, that this is the, the plan of action. So um, what I do right from the beginning is I like to have a team, and let's say it's Barbara, Team Barbara meetings uh, right off the bat, where we start to talk with each and every member of the team, uh, getting them prepared, getting them prepped, uh, looking at the issues from their perspective, and then as that process evolves, and keep in mind, this is all happening in the most expeditious manner possible. Why? Because your loved one is going through some psychiatric or mental health uh, issue. That is, uh, by the time you've reached out to do an intervention, it is more than likely spiraling out of control. So with that said, um, you've got your people together, you've prepped them. In the context that there's a coming, there's an intervention coming. Um, you want to then make sure um, that everybody is together with a unified message. And one of the keys to getting that done is the impact letter. Um, everybody on that intervention team uh, must come prepared with a letter uh, of, a, of a format which clearly outlines all of the love and concern all the the, um, the issues uh, carefully laid out. Um, and then, of course, at the end, uh, the inclusion of an actual plan of action. What are we doing? Where are we going for help? Um, then ultimately, um, and, I, and I don't want to use the word finally, but I guess ultimately with regard to at least the impact letter, there is um, a very strong set of healthy boundaries that friends and family are prepared to follow to help support that individual, not only accepting the gift of help, but really helping to support them committing to the process of recovery. Um, so with that said, I'm going to end this uh, brief uh, podcast uh, with that. Um, and as we move forward, I'll be adding more and more detail, more and more context and more and more content to help um, you know my colleagues along 
uh, share thoughts, share ideas, and families that are concerned or on the fence whether or not they want to move forward with an intervention, they can at least get some insight into how this process may work and see if it may be appropriate for their individual um, concerns or issues. And, and do keep in mind that you are welcome, always welcome, to reach out to me directly. Uh, my number um, is 305-467-8666, 305-467-8666. You're welcome to reach out at any time. Of course, I'm not going to be able to answer the phone at any time, but uh, please do feel free to leave a message. You can also email me at um, evan uh, at uh, careplanpro.com, or even better than that, Go to the website, the interventionradio.com website. Go to interventionradio.com and go ahead and uh, feel free to send me an email and I'll be able to reach back out to you uh, as soon as I can. Keep this in mind. If this is an imminent danger crisis situation, do not pass go. Call 911 um, and then you f- feel free to reach out to me. Uh, but uh, I always have to let families and friends know, look, as much as you may want to uh, get that intervention underway immediately, as much as you feel that the system may not be working efficiently uh, to the best of the need to meet the needs of your, your loved one, uh, please do uh, call 911 uh, if, if, it, if it isn't true, truly an, an emergency, an immediate crisis situation, and then feel free to reach out to me. And of course, I will reach back out to you as soon as possible. Other than that, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of uh, Intervention Radio. Uh, And I'll be speaking with you again uh, shortly. And uh, everyone have a great day. Thank you.